and which is so weird because I had to travel to London to see all the all the wild birds I otherwise oh. wouldn't see because obviously they are here, but because I don't, you know, I not um, at this point I didn't have this. I couldn't go to forest or somewhere to see them, or, or even uh, the beaches I visited were quite. They didn't have a lot of wildlife on them. Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button and enjoy the listen. Welcome everybody back to Coffee and Geography and uh, I feel a bit like a Eurovision host when I say this. Um, come in Tallinn. Tallinn Privas, are you there Helen? I am. Hello, hello. Hello London. <laughs> so that's the one thing that connects us is Eurovision of course. Estonia do pretty well in it, a lot better than the United Kingdom. I, uh, United Kingdom times. is rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just nil point, <laughs> time and time yeah. again. Uh, you folks who are listening outside of Europe, you know, if you have no idea what Eurovision is, just look it up. It's crazy. It's fun and it's crazy. You should look it up. But we're not here to talk about Eurovision. We're here to talk to Helen Eilers, who is um, a wonderful, wonderful graphic designer. Uh, um, and I got in contact f- um, with Helen through uh, Dan Raven Ellison, who was a, a guest in in uh, episode in season one. Sorry. And uh, so we're going to have a bit of a chat about that. So to introduce Helen is uh, Helen is an independent graphic designer, an aspiring map publisher who gets inspiration from nature. She has a small um, studio in Tallinn, Estonia, where she makes maps and tries to grow an indoor forest. Wow. Um, she discovers her love for maps while she's traveling, and now she continues to travel through her maps and help other people connect with nature. Wow. Yeah, an indoor yeah. forest. Have you tried mapping your indoor forest? <laughs> yeah, my indoor forest is looking actually really bare at the moment because because all the leaves are gone. It's winter. Oh, of course. So, yeah, they're here, but um, it's just the, um, yeah, well, it, but I'm hoping that, well, spring's coming soon, so I will have a full-scale full forest here soon. Yeah. I mean, I, how how's it been the seasons over there in Estonia? Because here in the UK, I mean, we've we've we finally eventually got days in the east of England down to freezing and hovering around freezing. So around naught degrees Celsius, not really much colder than that. But it's almost winter has just not come. I, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen. I'm seeing all these pictures from UK, and everybody's posting like the spring flowers in December, and it's just mad. But we actually had a really proper winter this year, and um, it's been a while. We've kind of had winters. There's been absolutely no snow. So this year, uh, we had loads. We had too much. Um, so yeah, it's been cold. It's been minus twenty. Um, with lots of snow on the streets Um, so now it's all melting so it's turned to ice but yeah it's been it's been pretty good yeah well you were talking you said they're minus 20 degrees um 
experienced that myself in Minnesota because my partner is from Minnesota, United States, America, where they have a climate. And I have experienced temperatures of down to minus 25 degrees Celsius. Cold. How do you like it? Um, uh, It's... It's not bad, actually. It's very biting. So you've got to wrap up very warm. And I remember when my parents came and visited um, one one winter, it's the first time I've ever been anywhere as typical Brits outside of like California, New York or Florida, right? Um, and like my, my dad, who is not really one for out and walk and stuff like that, decided he would walk with my wife to the local cafe and he wears glasses and like... Oh, yeah, the steam Yeah. They were freezing over because, of course, all the condensation from his breath were hitting his glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Freezing, and he couldn't see. So, yeah, it's um, it's fine. I, I probably my wife misses it a lot. Yeah, but, yeah, you don't get yeah. that in UK. No, we certainly don't. No. Um. So I guess even though you're there on the um, you know, the Gulf of Finland, and you've got quite a body of mm. sea of a uh, body of water around you, yeah. I guess therefore your climate is quite continental. I imagine then, if you get that cold in the um, in the winter and do you get very very hot in the summer well um we do i mean compared to uk which is kind of more sort of uh, mild all year mm. around we do have war- warmer um summers it can get up to 30 last year was bonkers but last year was yeah i mean it's climate change it's just um, so it was really, really hot, um, 35 mostly, uh, most, <sighs> but, um, yeah. yeah, so, um, it's affecting us as it's affecting anywhere. Um, it's been a cold winter, but generally it does get warmer. Um, the sea used to, um, um, ice over during the winters. Um, I don't think it happens that much anymore. Um, so yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, because yeah, you know, it's Eastern Eastern Europe is 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 I don't think is not as studied or as appreciated as much as as other parts of of Europe. And you know, and people to picture this if you just if you just um, look up Estonia on a map, you'll notice that actually it's surrounded on on two sides. If if you count the lake to the east, you're almost three. So it's almost a peninsula, but not almost quite. Water, yes. yeah. yeah. So it's actually sticking out there into into the Baltic Sea and, and the Gulf of Finland. So um, it's really really interesting geographically, and I really would uh, want to look up a bit more about that from a meteorological point of view. So, but um, let's 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 go back to feeling a bit warm, and that's your drink. Um, have you got a nice oh, yeah. warm toasty drink there, Helen? I do, I do. Uh, I am a coffee addict, and <laughs> which is weird because I didn't drink coffee until my early 20s and then I went to work and I started to drink coffee so that's my go-to narcotics I do <laughs> um I've, I've drank less recently but less means about three cups a day uh so um I mean I if I do less I'm just I'm just sleepy all day long <laughs> I think a lot of people listening will like kind of get it. <laughs> we'll we'll, yeah. we'll identify with that, Helen. So, in so, do you have? Do, is there like um, a really recognisable global brand that you drink, or is it a is it a very very is it an Eastern European one? What so what is it that you drink? What brand is it that you drink? Um, actually, I've never really. I've always wanted to 
go to the you know real coffee shop and pick mm-hmm. something and and i have tasted good coffee but i never really registered i'm just oh this is good this is this is this tastes wonderful what is it and i forget right away what it is obviously so this one is actually from our coffee machine here in my studio we have a coffee machine downstairs i just go there and and take coffee i had a look before so it was called vista and it was certified um sort of beans they pour uh, they, they in so um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite but it's pretty good coffee but um, at home and especially at the evenings when I don't want to have this proper um, you know hardcore coffee I drink instant coffee okay. and it's it's not you know it's it's not coffee it's coffee drink but um, I haven't found this anywhere else like in UK but we do get here an Indian instant coffee, which I really like. And it's kind of, it's the, they used to have it in Soviet times and they still import it. Um, it doesn't have any certifications. Um, it's just, it's come straight from India, but I had a look at once and it seems to be sort of family business. Uh, so kind of local thing that just passes these big brands and just yeah so i like i like this one it's it's a quite yeah it's a quite old one but yeah i haven't found it anywhere else so oh, that's fascinating because yeah. yeah india is i mean this this is probably typical white british colonial talking here but I only, you only really think of India for its tea. You don't really think of India for its oh, coffee. They have coffee. They have, um, they have instant coffee, and I have no idea how instant coffee is made. And it, <laughs> it's, if I if I buy one that's you know from a supermarket, it doesn't really taste anything. Um, but I like this one. It kind of it reminds me India. I I've been there. I've traveled there a little bit. So yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of nice to have these different things. I'm going to have to investigate this because um, speaking to the wonderful uh, Adil Hussain, the actor last season, he's got, he's got me hooked on Assam tea because he's from oh. the uh, Golpara region of India and where they grow Assam leaves. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to think that I'm going to investigate this and see if it be, can become a rival to this tea, I think. So I'll have, yeah. have to check it out because I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'm very willing to try out new things. Um, thank you for that insight, Helen. That's really good. You're living up to the podcast name of coffee and geography there. <laughs> Um, fantastic. Right. So we've already, we've, we already had a little bit of a chat about, uh, where you are in, in, in Tallinn in yeah. Estonia. Um, but what we like to do, we like to talk a bit about, uh, kind of like how that formulates your identity as a person. So, um, yeah, so this is an opportunity for you to tell us a little bit about, you know, were you, have you been in, been in the city all your life or have you moved around a bit? Have you lived in Estonia all the time, you know, and kind of like, how has that formed Helen, the person? And, and I suppose we can move on a bit later and talk about, maybe is is where you are right now like influenced your your creativeness perhaps yeah um yeah definitely i mean i've always i mostly lived in a city i grew up in a city in Tallinn. um so um but i always have had before i've always had this romantic idea that i would love to live in a country and it's kind of it's it's always like this i think um uh i i think i'm very much influenced by having this urban environment 
uh, around me most of the life, most of my life. And at the same time, it's really weird that uh, although the countryside is more open, I feel that in a way, especially if you're not driving, and I'm not driving, uh, driving, you are more free in a city to to explore the open spaces, which I've kind of have found. I've, I've traveled actually around the world, but um, but I had the same. Um, problem as not a driver that in the cities in the urban environment you usually can get around quite easily and you and and we used to even when i was a child and young person we used to walk everywhere and the public transport here is pretty good um i it's quite a green city i would say it's getting less so all the time and it's which is unfortunate unfortunate but um i still think we have quite a few open spaces and we used to explore these a lot and when i started i was very into photography in my sort of late teens and i got the camera and this gave me a reason to walk around it's not really done here as much as it's done in uk so i was doing this and it was like it was a bit weird if you just wanted to walk around. So I got a camera, so I had a reason. And later on, when I had this UK experience, I just realized, oh, actually, people do this as a hobby. So this was a revelation <laughs> for me. And wow. there are people here who are hiking, but that's a bit different than walking. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and in Estonia... The population density, well, it's obviously higher in the cities. And, and in Tallinn, we have 500,000 people. But in all over Estonia, we have about million, two thousand, million, two hundred thousand, I think. And um, which is, we do have quite a lot of open space. Um, but I wasn't really able to get there in a way. So, so my experience mostly evolved around the cities and city open spaces um, and then when I kind of have had more opportunity I just thought that even as a creative person even if I'm romanticizing the countryside and, and everything I think my roots are in the city and in, in, the, in the green spaces and all that and which kind of um, also is based on, on my work right now. And I kind of made a, a circle. I've lived in the countryside for a little while. I lived in rural Ireland for about a half year. And again, I felt that although you have all these open space, beautiful spaces, because I'm not a driver, I was limited with my choices and you don't have a public transport. Um, and it's, it's um, and this is also UK was quite good because trains go pretty much anywhere and and you can quite easily go to the national parks or or just go out out of london out from london uh, whereas in some other countries have kind of have had to um yeah i mean right now i would really love to go to a local national park and it's it's almost impossible um to go um on a, on a public transport so um which is unfortunately un unfortunate because yeah because we're trying to kind of tune down all the car traffic and and then then um 
yeah, and we sh we should have a really really good uh, public transport network when we when we trying to do that. You know, on one hand, I totally agree with you. So I want to be able to access all these spaces, you know, and the, it's an interesting insight that you say that actually compared to your own experience that the UK's public transport system, which a lot of people here moan about, is actually not too bad. Um, don't get me started on the trains, though. Uh, so, um, but it's interesting that, yeah, I, I, I could actually get to for example the Yorkshire Dales from here just outside of Norwich so I could get on a train I could get over to to the the line that goes up to uh, Liverpool Lime Street and then I can get on local buses and I could probably with a bit of difficulty but I could do it I can get into the village of Malham in the Yorkshire Dales eventually um, but yeah so but I'm thinking the paradox is but these spaces are beautiful and lovely and romanticized because of the lack of human um, invasion if you like so if mm. public transport was to expand into these areas would it take away from what draws people in that's the paradox so yeah it's 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 i think that's a debate for another day and I, I think teachers will probably have that debate with their students quite a lot to say well should we should we be accessing these places or, or should we be leaving them as almost pseudo wilderness wildernesses well if you're thinking about that if, if you're going on with a car and um and there's so many people going on the car right now so these places are already full but if you would have a really good option to go on a really nice public transport like a like a bark bus or something and um when you're going on the car you usually have to come back and what i did this summer i did coastal walks and i did in the area where the public transport is really good so i stopped i i went off i i did about 10 kilometers um really lovely beaches everything and i got on back on the bus and I didn't have to uh, if I couldn't do this on a when if I would uh, go with a car so that's a good it's, point. it's not about yeah. increasing traffic in these places but increasing walking cycling active travel and having less cars and having have the need to be car bound and in Estonia we are so car bound at the moment and it's getting um, worse all the time um, so yeah that's my concern um, that's um, yeah we could have uh, this really lovely access somehow I think and that, that's another argument is, it, is the accessibility as well because not everybody owns a car the, those who don't own a car um, are, are likely to be people who traditionally do not access these green spaces and need to access these green spaces and 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 so yeah so i i i appreciate that um i missed that bit of the argument out of course a bit earlier but um another example that comes to mind here in the county of norfolk is is you've got for example the coastal hopper um so you could go to you know you can alight in Sheringham or Cromer, the coastal towns there, or and then you've got a bus that runs the whole length of the Norfolk coast called the Coastal Hopper, and, and it basically just runs the whole of the uh, the main road along the coast, the A149, and you can jump on and off the bus. And and so you and my wife actually did, my wife and I actually did do that once. You know, we 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 went took the train and then we just got on the bus, jumped off the bus, walked around the marshes. And you, you are absolutely right. And, and it was a different experience than to just jumping in the car 
finding a parking space or parking on yeah. a verge because you know which is terrible for 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 the local environment um and of course all, all, all your carbon emissions and everything like that so so yeah it's i think increasing public transport to these areas but as a way that dissuades people from using the car encourages people from, yeah. to use the public transport you know is 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 perhaps go a net benefit but as i say this is this is a very interesting debate that i Far think to go, yeah yeah and, it, and it, it gets done quite a fair bit actually in geography classrooms uh no doubt here in the united kingdom so um but uh, i'm gonna go this is a perfect segue though to your work because you were talking right. about you know yeah. you're walking around in photography and you like you know the 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 structure of cities and one of the things that you do with your creative work is is mapping for example and uh one thing and i'm going to start with this because it is incredible and this is the work i came across to get in co- to get connected with you but you've done other pieces of work which which please 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 do mention and that is when i was speaking to uh, Daniel Raven Ellison last year about the London National Park City and we were talking about you know the the campaign and how it grew from basically just a thought experiment to be an actual real thing one of the um things which was very very um well it was praised and it was like a symbol of the mo- of the, of the uh of the um of the campaign really was a map that you created called the green ground map oh it was yeah it was one of the uh one of the maps one of the two yeah. maps that was yeah and the other one was urban gold map the big one yeah i love it because for a start i mean as i mean obviously you will know this helen but for for people who are people a lot of people are aware of the london underground map because it's not yeah. just it's not just a logistical tool it's not just um, a planning tool it is a piece of art you know that diagrammatic, um, very straight. The, even the font and everything and the colours, and um, and a lot of a lot of public transport systems in other countries, of course, based their maps on the London Underground map. So they took their inspiration from it. And you've taken that and gone one step further. Um, and for so so describe it to people. So so what is this map? Like? And kind of like what was your your inspiration for this map? Okay, so um, the green ground map, if you imagine a dual map, but it's 10 times as busier. Uh, and I know lots of people are already saying that the dual map is busy, but um, the green ground <laughs> yeah. map is 10 times as that. And instead of stations, it connects uh, parks and open spaces, and it attempts to connect... Um, them via walking and cycling, um, active travel. Um, so you have this just a very big network that looks like a tube network, but it's actually active travel um, network. And uh, it currently covers 800 open spaces in London. And that's actually... Um, just some of them, there's over, over 3,000, which was something I had no idea when I started. And the first map I made had about 70, and 70 was the ones I was aware of. Right. Okay. All the bigger ones, I even had a B in all of them, I think. 
but um but it was my understanding of this of london green london at this point and i started adding to it and people suggested more works they added and they added and now it's grown to this huge uh, network that's expand actually outside london it connects with uh, some of the uh, walking routes like south uh, south downs way and um, north downs yeah it's it's kind of the this outer part is in surrey um and up to windsor so it's getting quite big but it's Attempting to show that London is not only streets, it's not only public transport or metro or tube. Uh, it's it can be seen through natural features. So the lines and the best lines are usually the rivers and the camels. Um, so and the other ones are maybe thematic lines, and some are the official walking routes like um, uh, Capital uh, Capital Trail, is it? And the Loop are the official walking routes, and some are just made up for fun. <laughs> but um, the whole idea is that when I when I talked about um, um, loving nature, loving photography, and being in my uh, late teens. And the first time I went to London, um, it was my, I really wanted to see London. I traveled on my own, it was my first soul travel. And my first night when I was there, I went to Kensington Park, and the next morning as well. And I was stunned by the wildlife I saw. And which is so weird because I had to travel to London to see all the all the wild birds I otherwise oh. wouldn't see because obviously they are here, but because I don't, you know, I not um, at this point I didn't have this. I couldn't go to forest or somewhere to see them, or, or even uh, the beaches I visited were quite. They didn't have a lot of wildlife on them, so I, I was just walking around making photos. And I was thrilled. And even the squirrels, I know their best, but it was just, <laughs> they made me so happy. And I just remember this. And I, I, this was my first sort of experience. And it grew afterwards when I, when I um, had a chance to uh, visit London more and uh, eventually live there. I just always seeked out these spaces and... And yeah, so it's for me, um, when I saw a couple of years ago, I was just looking for something that something I would like and had a design element on it and something I could do with my skills. And I saw this National Park City idea and I was thinking, oh, I, I really like that. This, this is great, and um, and I put something, a couple of ideas out, and they shared it and they liked it. I was like, oh, okay, so this is something. This is a platform I could actually exhibit something and get few likes. And I was, 
hoping to get four likes and then I was like oh I got I got uh, 10 <laughs> likes and there was this graphic that got 60 I was like oh wow that's Whoops. that's wonderful <laughs> and then I put the 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 metro style the dual map style uh, map out and it got 400 likes wow and then I was like okay I'm on to something this is good and I like this so I'm just going to see how it goes it's as someone i grew up as a kid um loving the london underground and london underground map because i'm originally from um a town a a london new town called harlow in essex which is about a 10 minute drive away from epping so um and that which is the nearest tube station right at the end of the central line so um and i just i get and i used to have a wooden train well i didn't have a wooden train set my cousins had a wooden train set who lived in North Weald at the time, which was further down the central line on a temporary line. And so every time I used to go and visit my cousins, I used to ask to borrow their wooden train set, bring it home, and I would do a mock-up of the central line using the train set, oh, right? With all the little, and I'd, yeah. in, on a piece of paper, I'd do all the little tube things. So I'd do Epping, Dayton Boys, Loughton, Debden. Yeah, yeah. Got those two the wrong way around, but anyway. Uh, Woodford, and then going all the way down the line. And, uh, and I noticed that on your map so so the central line is almost but not quite the dark green which you have called city the city line and so which starts off in epping forest yeah and then you walk 2.3 miles to uh to the next stop which is uh which and then another 1.2 miles and you've got uh chingford plain and you've got whitehall plain and you could go to mansfield park from there and then you've got highland parks lake and then the circle, Walthamstow Wetlands, Chestnuts Field, and then after about you know a good good half a day's walk, then you're um, you're in Tottenham, and the, the recreational ground, the Lordship Recreational Ground, Bruce Castle Park. So yeah, and it's it's just so when I saw this, and it just like my love for geography, my love for maps, my love of the underground, I was just like I just spent so much time on this, and it's a thing of beauty. And the the question I really want to ask you as well, Helen, is this is the thing I can't get my head around because geographically yeah. I, I tried making my own map as a kid and from my imagination and I just could not get the spatial uh, like dimensions right because if I put something too far one way or the other it was like it'd be way too far north way too far south why so this must have been like a massive problem solving exercise for you as well because you thought well yeah. if I put that there but actually that place is too far west compared to this place this place is too far do you but do you just make it fit does it really matter i mean how did you go through that process yeah (laughs) i mean it's dead simple it's so simple i just i just do this on google maps if you think of a layer on google maps that's it um because it is actually geographically accurate whereas tube map obviously is not and uh, this is why harry back's map has it's more of a design. Um, there's more. I mean, the ideas he had. He had a quite a limited space. He it, it, it didn't matter because I mean, when you're on a tube, um, you just go to the next station. It doesn't matter how far it is exactly. But lots of people actually using this for walking, and I did um, when I moved to London first. I used the tube map, and you think that, okay, I'm just going to go there. And then you just realize, all right, this is a massive distance between these. Um, So the green ground map actually is accurate. Uh, I mean, it's based on Google Maps. And 
I do have to uh, adjust some of the points, obviously, because if it gets very busy somewhere, I just move this a little bit. But generally, this is how it looks. And this is where these uh, green spaces are. Um, and one idea is, was to bring this underground to overground because I love tube and I do tube all the time. I think it's a brilliant invention. But if you spend so much time under, under there, under the ground, it has quite a bad air quality. I mean, if we've heard now that um, the particles and everything, that's especially in the, in the lowest ones, that's pretty yeah. bad. And if you're spending lots of time there, it's not healthy. Um, so I think the next step we need to look is not to expand the tube map, but try to bring these trains on the ground again. I love mm. trams, and I, I think trams are great in the, uh, in invention. And in lots of in Tallinn, we have trams. There's trams in few UK cities. Edinburgh in Scotland has yeah has Manchester. Trams. Yeah, I think Nottingham probably. I'm not. Yeah. Um, so. There, I, I really like them, and I, I, London used to have trams as well. Um, so yeah, yeah up here in Norwich as well. We, but they took them out for the for the car, of course, as did most yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that was one of the things. Also, um, just trying to sort of bring this um, map and see if this is something that could be now. In this century, could this happen? Yeah. Is this, this is idea, but yeah, we'll see. Well, you've you've got a lot of praise, a lot of positive reviews, and positive critical appraisal for what you've done. It's amazing. And Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating, and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. And um, you know, at the end of the, at the end of our chat, you can definitely shout out your website because on your website mm. you've got your designs for the Sheffield Green Ground, for the Bristol Green Ground and Edinburgh. So um, can you do one? For, have, you, have you got plans for one for Norwich, maybe? Pretty please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, um, yeah, I've been thinking about that because I really want to, it's yeah, quite near the coast, isn't it? It's, let's see, we're about a 15 to 20 minute drive away from the, yeah. and we've got the course, we've got the Norfolk Broads. So we've got the Norfolk yeah, Broads, exactly. which comes into Eastern Norwich. Yeah, I've been, really wanted to visit for a while um but obviously i haven't tra traveled for a few years this was the next thing i was going i wanted to do um, mm. just to take the train and and go for a coastal walk and and come to norwich as well but yeah definitely and who knows um maybe uh, maybe they commission it Ooh. well be... if that ever happens helen Yes. Get in touch. We can uh, we, we'll walk a little bit together. That would be amazing. Yeah, I definitely, yes. definitely have a coffee. Yes, <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Yeah, and and on that webpage that you've you've got as well, you've got um, which is absolutely fantastic as you've linked. Well, you've got linked this the green ground maps and 
uh, Dan Raven Ellison's uh, latest project, which is the Slow Ways, which is great because mm. then they're all integrating into each other. And it looks mm. like there's there's is it is it live now or is there an app being designed that allows people to plot their route? I mean, this is something new that I've come across. You've, there's lots of screenshots of of an app called Green My Way. Ah oh, no, um, this was. I think, yeah, you're looking at the blog and this was something I just mm. did for fun as well. Oh, I see. It's a concept. It was a, yeah, it was a really a UX project for me, but just trying to, so um, I think the app would be great because lots of people asking for it, but yes. obviously it does <laughs> take quite a lot of resources. Uh, which is probably going not going to happen this year, but um, taking steps towards it, and I think app would be quite quite a good good resource. The the, the big difference between Green Ground Map and um, Slowways, for example, is that they have huge network of people involved, the volunteers who's mm. so helping to do the rules and checking them. So this this community. Um, spirit and um, and the green girl map right now is pretty much me on doing it on my own. Um, it's more of the graphic design project and and yeah, so so we'll see um, how how it's going to evolve. But at the moment. It seems that few cities are interested of having having their own, and and maybe in a couple of years we'll have an app as well. Wow, that's oh, that's amazing! And if you're listening to this, anybody, and you've got an ear of the council, the city council, or uh, or maybe you're listening to yourself, here you go. You know, Helen will be giving her contact details a bit later on. You know, because one thing this podcast loves to do is loves to connect people, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, and it's so. This is just, oh, this is an amazing example of geography, arts, spatial data, you know, GIS just coming together in such a beautiful, beautiful, functional way that can enhance people's experience of, of, of an area or even um, their local area where they've not, they haven't really, they look at this, they're thinking, my goodness, I can actually spend just a morning and I could walk to these places and I didn't notice no I could do that so Helen it's fantastic work and and you you deserve all the all the praise that you've been you've been getting for it and uh, so yeah and I'm really really looking forward to what you come up with in in future um but there is something else that you like making which I want you to talk about so this is this is spilling the beans now Helen because uh, oh, yeah. yeah I you you've um you you say you like a bit of baking and you particularly mm-hmm. like baking ciabattas Yes. So, uh, so you say they're relatively easy to make with a couple of ingredients, mm. and it's the simple pleasures. So, uh, so, so, give us, uh, give us, give us folks who love a little bit of cooking, a little bit of baking about about um, your top tips for a, t- a ciabatta. Oh, ciabatta! Uh, I think it's uh, the top tip is probably getting it in an oven, oven in a really, really hot oven, and baking it really, really, really quickly. Um, so, uh, I think ten or minutes even maybe maybe 15 but um so a lot of people do like baking obviously so not that surprising perhaps but i'm really fascinated the simpleness of the bread and i'm really fascinated of the simple food 
and something we could and should have plenty, but somehow we don't. And if you're thinking, and something like Tibata, it takes only about four ingredients. You have uh, flour, you have a yeast, uh, water and the salt, and that's it. And then there's a work involved. And it takes, um, the whole process takes about maybe two and a half hours. And I'm, I'm usually skipping a couple of, um, uh, I, I usually try to just get it quicker because I, I, I'm not really, I don't want to bake a bread for three days. I think that's mad. <laughs> yes. But um, but that's the thing. We used to we used to bake our own bread, and um, everybody did that. Uh, it was delicious, and it's still it is, and it's nutritious. And I'm I'm eating a couple of those slices, and I feel full, and I get the supermarket loaf, and I eat four of them slices, and I'm uh, it doesn't fill me up, and because obviously it probably doesn't have flour, lots of flour in it, and and that's what I'm really fascinated about that we live in a uh, era of planning and in a, other ways we're starving because we've lost this nutrition in food yeah and mm. um and I'm very interested about looking into into foods that are easy to make are nutritious what we can do at home and especially in the western cultures cultures now even if something like flour is quite cheap, we're so busy, we don't have this time anymore. Um, so the time cost is something um, we have to take account. Yeah. Well, to interject um, there, Helen, I don't know if it happened in Estonia, but here in the United Kingdom, when the first lockdown happened because of coronavirus, yeah. the yeah. first thing to fly off the shelves was flour. Yeah, no, we, we you could not find flour for love or money here in the, in the supermarkets. People would were it's like, well, I'm going to be home. I might as well buy up the flour and I'm going to bet bake stuff. So yeah, um, uh, my wife does. Oh. My wife's my wife's she makes her own bread um, from her mother's recipe. Well, her, her aunt, her great aunt Sig's recipe makes her own bread, which is really really lovely, which my late mother in law used to make. Um, and yeah, she she does like a bit of bacon. She's quite happy to turn and say to my kids or to me like do you fancy something you know we just just fancy making a cake i was like okay but uh with ciabattas um helen the the my wife actually we got this lovely ciabatta um stick from from the local bakery and we just what we did we just sliced it up we had a bit of cream cheese on top of it but and you were saying about you know the the um getting something a bit more nutritious a bit more fulfilling a bit yeah. more of that yeah. kind of thing that is that we're lucky to have our own quote unquote orchard in the garden. So we've got at least five trees. We've got a bay tree. We've got a cherry tree. We've got two plum trees. We've got a pear tree and we've got an apple tree. So we've got, we've made chutney. So ciabatta bread with a little bit of cream cheese and a dollop of chutney. Oh my goodness. It's great. Love it. Yeah. So I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. So um, I think everybody should bake their own bread. I think if we would get there, yeah. And I mean, yeah. all culture, and if you're thinking, uh, the, it's really simple and all cultures have their own take on it. And you have flatbreads, you have brown breads. But in Estonia, we have a lot of brown breads. Um, and so there's this one thing that's around the world has so many different inventive ways of making 
so yeah i think it would be great to um i don't know try to make them all eat them all yeah okay, yeah. okay. give it give it a go what's the worst can happen you're not gonna you're not gonna burn your house down people give it a go <laughs> yes um one more thing to do, Helen, uh, before we, we finish off, um, is I'm actually going to play on your green um, ground map, actually, oh. uh, for, for a bit of jog on, um, oh, okay. which is, so for jogging, which is, is fo- well, it's not five random topics this time because I've actually taken them from your map, right, from the map. Oh, so it's actually five topics based on the lines of your map, right? So, um, and the, the way it works for everybody who hasn't heard this before is that Helen's got five topics that that she can talk about just very very briefly it could be maybe an experience she's had or just an opinion just just for 60 seconds or so or if she doesn't like the sound of that topic she can pass by saying take a hike but you can only pass twice so you've got to talk about three of these things right okay so here are the five topics and they're based on your lines of your green ground map right of London so the first topic is royals and regents so the upper echelons of society. Do you want to talk about royals and regents or do you take a hike and skip it? I want to take a hike on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the second topic is, is um, and you, na- you must have named this line after the River Lee, which runs from, you know, which the Stort in Harlow connects to, is a tributary of the River Lee that goes into the, into the Thames. Mm-hmm. But Lee as in... Yeah, it could be a, the name of the river, or it could be you know an open meadow, an open space, an open field. So, do you have any thoughts on that kind of uh, landscape? Uh, I, I have a thought about Lee itself. Um, okay, the go river, for it. of the River Lee. Yeah, we um, again when I moved to London, I I think I had a very uh, oh, everybody knows Thames, of course, and um, and. This is where I mostly walked, and um, I lived in Spermancy, so we, so I mostly walked around um, central London, probably Southwark and this area, and I didn't really, really didn't have any idea that London would have so many rivers because there, a lot of them are hidden, and and especially you, they do come up in in some spaces, but. Especially in central London, I think most of the rivers have been just, you know, paved over. So um, we had this at work. We had this group of people who were hiking, and um, and every weekend uh, we would go somewhere, and we were training for this event um, of hundred kilometer hike. And um, the guys I was wo- walking with, so I was mostly they were map readers. I was mostly, you know, just tagging along and and we had uh, walk, we, we we did walk um uh, along the lee and it was uh, at some parts of it it did look like a countryside it was beautiful i have very good memories of that it's um it was a sort of spring summertime and um yeah and i love it i love it i think it's a it's a great space and it's a great line to walk as well yeah so Riverley, and there's a, there's a lot of history along it. You've got a lot of green space along it. You've got the greenway along it. You've got um, a lot of geography teachers will recognise it as as the case study for when the development of the London Olympics. There was a lot of redevelopment around the, the Riverley. So yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, tributary of the Thames. And I, I would strongly recommend anybody if if you're unaware of of a how big the Thames drainage basin is, and b how extensive, how dense it is. 
then you can find very very good hydrological maps of the Thames drainage basin and I'll I'll, um, I'll probably put a couple of links in the description so right that's fantastic so that's two topics we've got two more to talk about so the first one the third one is because you've got a line called B so I thought bees yeah so we want to talk about bees or I don't want to talk about bees yes I don't want to talk about bees because um I want to talk about the bees and uh, bugs and I mean generally in urban space I used to see even in Tallinn we used to have lots of bees I mean I don't see them anymore and and that's the mm. that's a problem everywhere and yeah. obviously the bee line on the London map is based on the um, the Dickel well, right. So this is based on on the work of the GIGL, and um, the line itself is is taken from that uh, Dickel um, app, and it's connecting the sort of flowery um, spaces in London from north to south. So you have this 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 line, sort of like um, fog line. Um, mm through the through the city and we have something similar here as well in Tallinn but what really and I think is happening in London as well and especially this summer when it was so dry and the council still mowed all the grass yeah and yeah. all the we uh, where I live we have this um um I mean what happened was you have these lots of these oh, the yellow flowers, the fluffy ones, the dandelions, and they, they think of them as weeds and they just mow them and they're beautiful. And after that, you just have this scorched grass. And mm. I think all these beeline projects are absolutely great, but all the city should be a beeline project yeah. and everywhere should be these wilder uh, spaces where they, where they, Bees and other insects, good, um, good, good, you know, um, hang out. So, yeah, so that's that's really, and the, I mean, the insects in the city, we used to have so many, and I don't see them anymore in the summer. Uh, it, is, it is a tragedy. We, we've stopped mowing our, we've stopped mowing our lawn um, in the garden now because yeah. we want, we want as many wildflowers and, and actual weeds to grow uh you know through the flowering season so the bees can get what they need and then once they've finished you know then we will tidy up the garden you know but and then the same with the leaves we don't we don't make the leaves put them in the brown yeah. bin anymore we 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 mulch them and we we put them in fact what we've been doing we've been actually putting them raking them to the side underneath the orchard trees so so they will decay and that biomass and that matter will just go back yeah, and it actually will exactly. feed the fruit trees yeah, and yeah. um and anything we prune we stick along the the fence for uh hibernating animals so we're trying our best to kind of create a ecosystem in our garden uh just and actually it's in a, in a sense it's it's less work because i'm not mowing the lawn as much i'm not having to so it's it's bizarre you know you, it's a bit of lazy eco eco you know environmentally kind of practice right so that's really sort of beeline problem we have to put that one in the in the in the link in there as well there's two more topics you've got uh cranes because you've got a line that says crane now do you now is that 
crane to do with the bird or is it to do with um, the amount of urban development taking place? So you've got loads of cranes. So what one was that? Uh, it's actually the river, I think. The river it? crane. Oh, okay. Now, see, I my ignorance, I did not know that there was the river crane as part of the River Thames. Well, do you want to talk about cranes? Because you've already talked about rivers. I, yeah, so. I think I'm going to take a hike on take this hike. one. Because, All right, yeah, the last one. I actually, I haven't visited um i would love to but yeah you know i'm yeah. stuck here okay now. yeah last well, one. you didn't know there's a river crane right um okay the last one um is well it's it's actually it's just a shape because this is what you named it it's it's loop based on you know mm. the london loop yeah um but yeah the 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 fifth quote-unquote random topic is loops so circular loops. things so loops. What, okay. give me give us your opinion on loops or something oh, geographical loops about are... loops <laughs> loops are pretty good. Uh, loops are with the, uh, you know, they're, they're circles. You have, um, do I like loops more than lines? I don't know Ooh. because I think actually my lines probably do make loops eventually because if you look at the green ground map as well, it's one big loop made of lines. So I'm pretty fond of loops generally, I think, um, because... Um, if you have something that ties the lines together, otherwise you'll just end up at the end of the line and you just know what. So, so that's why I have loops that you always, if you end up at the end of the line, you can always, you know, turn to right or left yeah. and just keep going. Whereas that might not be uh, possible with the tube map. Yeah. All you change. Have to come back. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. You do have quite a fair loops. Yeah. You, I do, you've I got... do. There's that little triangular one that you've got, like in in the north northwest, where it goes through Totteridge Fields, Darlings Lake Lake Reservoir, and it the goes along the Dollis Valley Greenwalk back back around to Brook Farm, Brook Farm. So yeah, you got little, even little loops within loops there, which is pretty yes, cool. Yes, yes. Um, I did have one triangle, but I think it's now uh, uh, made it to loop. So mm. Mm. because loop just looked a little better, I thought. Yeah, and also if, if you're yeah. going to go for your hour hike hour walk or two hour walk or something and you just you're not you're not going out and coming back and seeing the same sort of thing or or checking or seeing things that you might have missed but you've got a nice little one-way kind of kind of experience there so yeah loop i love i love i love a loop (laughs) all right fantastic helen so we're coming to the end of our chat and now's the time of course to uh, link you to our previous guest so um last week we i spoke to uh, professor james cheshire who um is a who works at the university college london as spatial analysis and all this stuff yeah and he wrote um recently wrote a book called um atlas of the invisible with um oliver roberti it's so good i don't mind giving that a plug because uh i amongst a couple of others wrote some educational material for it so i'm happy to give that a plug but um he um has come up with the word connections for you which is like perfect which is like perfect because i'm like because of course I always know who the next guest is going to be. So when when James said connections, I was like, "This could you have not come up with like a more appropriate <laughs> for for Helen?" Right. So Helen, what it is, but because the way this works is that you you don't have to talk about the connections on your maps or anything like that. You can talk about the word connections in any way, shape, or form you wish. So it could be a personal thing, could be a geographical thing, no matter what. The only thing is you've only got thirty seconds. So, oh, start um, so you start when you're ready and I will tell you and when the time go, is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about my map. So 30 seconds. <laughs> 
connections starting now. Um, the connected green spaces are uh, very, very important, and that's what the London Green Ground Map wants to do. So they wouldn't feel like an island for the wildlife, for the people. Uh, so you would have to cross, you know, this uh, grey pavement desert to get to the next one. They should be connected in a pleasant green way. So, um, and also because they would feel stronger when they're connected. And uh, because you have big There's parks. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I know. It goes so quick, doesn't it? I know. Um, I was... What were you going to say then about having equal parts and whatnot? Uh, well, I was... I was going to say that uh, some parks are huge, others were small. Um, so ah. the the but because if I'm giving them a dot, they're all the same size in a way. So mm. um, they kind of I want them to sort of um, feel equally important, um, oh. no matter what the size. Amazing! Oh, okay. oh wow! All these little nuances about this map, which just oh Helen, we could talk about this for hours. Um, oh, but, yeah, um, let's do. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so fascinating, and we have spent a lot of time talking about the green ground map, but it's been so so worth it. Um, okay, Helen. So before I forget, sometimes I forget this. I have to go like get the guests back and say, "Oh, yeah. I forgot to do this," but I remember now. Your word, Helen, for the following guest. So it could be any word you like. It could be related to what we've discussed, or it could be something completely random, entirely yes. up to you. Something that you would like the next guest to try and link to um, the world of geography or geographical processes or something. Yes, I knew this from the beginning, and this is something I'm really passionate about. And it's not only about the parks, but generally, the world is openness. Openness, love it. Yes. Openness. So I'm not going to expand on this. I think the next person will hear do that. The next yeah. Person. yeah. Okay, then. So, um, folks listening, and to, while you're waiting for next week's episode, have a little think of openness and how that may link to, to geography or the, our life's processes. Well, Helen, this has been delightful, really delightful. So um, now you need to, I, I've, I've been seeing your praises, but now's the time for you to kind of put yourself out there. So chance for you to give any shout outs and to tell us about your social media accounts and your website. Right. First of all, I want to thank I want to thank my audience. Uh, I really, I really want to thank everybody who have supported this project by either buying a map or donating or sharing because it is an independent project and it's the only way it can survive and expand. So, so if you'd like to uh, get your own green ground map, you can always go to my shop. It's helenilos.com/shop. Um, you can also, if you're just thinking about it, want to browse around, there's also free maps available. So you can actually have a look and then decide if you want this or not. So everybody has an option to get their uh, green ground map. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I know what I'm going to ask for my next birthday. <laughs> so where can we so you've got you've you've mentioned your website there uh, helen mm. so and where because i think i think you've got a twitter account as well uh yeah i'm quite active on twitter so it's also at helen Nilos in twitter and instagram uh in instagram i'm just i'm actually i've just adopted a, a cat a rescue cat so there will be lots of cat pictures <laughs> for a while but i will um post some graphic design content as well. So. <laughs> a bit of both. 
You're going to both. <laughs> bit we'll of kind of bit yes. Oh, well, Helen, I've really enjoyed our chat today. It's been lovely to meet you. And remember that open invitation. If you're, if you're here in East Anglia or here in the county of Norfolk, let's go walking together. Oh, let's go for a coffee. Certainly. Let's go for a coffee. Love talking to you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you had fun. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app. If you fancy being a guest or have any feedback, follow us on Twitter at CoffeeJogPod and send us a DM. Or you could email coffeeandjog at geogramblings.com. Until next time, keep geogging.